Coach, welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer. Thank you for joining me today, taking the time. If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. If you're new to the show, welcome. We're excited to get better. And on this episode, I get the chance to speak with the Notre Dame Academy head coach, Travis Galloway. They've won nine straight league titles. They've been to the state final four, seven of the past nine years. They were headed there again this year before COVID-19 canceled the season. And he digs into how they develop a team first philosophy with his team. There's many talented teams out there, but you're not going to have the deep run tournament success year in and year out unless you have that team first philosophy. And they certainly have that. The other thing that I'm really excited about is the Coach's Edge website has launched. You've heard me talking about that for months. It's up. Head over to coachesedge.coach. We have about a week left that we're accepting new coaches into our membership before we shut it down for basketball season. And we are excited to help you take your program to the next level. All right, let's get to the show. like to welcome coach Travis Galloway to the coaches edge podcast coach Galloway thanks for taking the time hey I appreciate the offer uh, it's always a pleasure talking to other people who's passionate about basketball definitely passionate about the game teaching sharing and learning the game I'm excited to learn some things from you as, as I'm sure a lot of the other listeners and coaches that we have on the podcast as well um, but before we get into our episode today could you share a little bit of background and a little bit of your own coaching history? Yeah, I, uh, it's funny. I started coaching at a very, very young age. I was just uh, right out of high school. Um, I coached an elementary basketball team for um, uh, a local elementary here in Toledo. And uh, we won. We won the championship that first year. So I kind of got the, got the, the, uh, the urge to keep going with it. And I was fortunate enough to be asked to coach an all-star team that was part of the district that I, was, I, that I went to high school in. Um, and the junior varsity boys coach came and watched the practice. And after that practice, he offered me a spot on his staff. So I started coaching JV boys at the age of 19. Um, and then kind of from there on, I just kind of got, got more comfortable with it, got more passionate about it, um, had, a, had a great opportunity to learn under some very good coaches at a young age. Um, and it just kind of steamrolled from there, you know. I was then able to take my first contract position a year after that as a, as a junior high boys coach. I uh, did that for a couple of years. Then I got moved up to freshman for three years. Um, and then the junior varsity boys coach um, applied for a girls coaching job here at Notre Dame. He got the job, offered me the varsity assistance position. So then I came over here with him for five seasons. And then he decided to go back to, to his district where he, uh, where he taught in to, to uh, coach. And I stayed here in Notre Dame. So it's been it's been a fun ride and it's been uh, it's been a journey where you learn a lot every year. I love hearing coaching history. I mean, everyone is so unique. Um, And man, you got into the coaching game quick, 19 years old. And you were you were up and running with a a youth basketball team. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a lot Uh, of fun. Now, last season was a very unique season for many, many reasons in addition to the fact that you had arguably the best or one of the best teams in the entire state of Ohio. So tell us a little bit about how last year ended and how you were able to handle that as the coach. 
Yeah, obviously last year was, it was a, a very emotional year of highs for the most part and then a super low at the end. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to make the state final four um, for our second straight year and our seventh year and seventh time in nine years. Um, and we were actually practicing the Thursday before we played. We played that Friday night. We're practicing, um, you know, about mid-morning, 11 o'clock. We had done about one. I, I see our JV coaching staff come in with our team meal, and there was just something weird on their face. Like, I knew something was going on. And then uh, we break our team huddle at the end of practice. The girls went into the locker room. Uh, the uh, administration called me into their office and let me know that they had at that time postponed the tournament. Um, obviously when they postponed it, I felt canceled at that time, but they used the word postponed. So then after kind of thinking about it for a minute or two, or just, you know, obviously being frustrated and disappointed, I, my very first comment out was, do the, do, is it on social media yet? And they said, yes. So then I wanted to get to the locker room right away before our players saw it on social media, before they got to hear it from our coaching staff. Um, unfortunately, we were the ones to be able to tell them, which, you know, I'd rather them hear it from us than see it somewhere. Um, and it became very emotional. You know, we had a great week of preparation. We had a senior class that's worked really hard to get us to that point. We had a lot of young players that was going to play a bigger role than what they've had in the past uh, on that stage. And, you know, we worked that hard from, you know, off season through preseason through the regular season now into the tournament play. You just feel like you you, you want to have a chance and uh, you know to have that chance taken away was difficult um, I thought our players handled it as well as they possibly could um, you know but it was it was very emotional it was very hard and, and at that time nobody understood exactly you know the magnitude of what we were going through you know at that time it was maybe a couple weeks away we'll see what happens and then obviously as things begin begin to to progress um, as a as a coach it was easier for me to understand because it was much bigger than Notre Dame basketball. It was, it was worldwide, you know, and, and everybody was going through this pandemic in a, in a very different way. Props to, to you. Uh, that's so smart to say, is it on social media and yeah. trying to, to get there first because, you know, the kids in the locker room getting ready for, for lunch, they're probably going to check their phones very, very quickly. So being able to tell them firsthand, I'm sure made a big difference in, you know, being able to hear it from you and have it be able to to sink in and it's just such a unreal uh, situation to end a season where you know if if you're a team you want to be beat you don't want to have this unknown like you you want to go out there give it your best and it's win or lose but to just have the season say hey it's over that is such a tough pill to swallow and um, all the coaches that I've spoken to, especially the coaches I've spoken to that had some of the best teams in their respective states. Um, they've all handled it, handled it with class the best that you can given a difficult circumstance. And I'm sure one of the reasons that you were able to handle it well was because you've instilled a real team first philosophy within your team and your basketball program. So how do you go about building uh, that philosophy because it sounds really good mm -hmm. and everybody says we got to be team first but not everybody is able to actually pull it off that was that was one of my goals as I, when I became the head coach you know I, I had learned under some very very good coaches but a lot of the times it seemed like it was uh, coach versus player mentality and I, I want to make sure I didn't go that direction 
um, especially being at an all girls you know, school. I thought that sense of community would be huge to help build a program. Um, you know, having the idea of, you know, our varsity players mentoring our freshman players and, and so on and so forth, all, all three levels being very connected. Um, and that goes with our coaching staff first. I've been very fortunate enough to have a coaching staff that's been with me for a long time. Um, you know, we haven't had much turnover, which is great. And so when we talk about that team first philosophy, um, it, it starts with the, you know, with, with the coaching staff and they're, they're all in it for each other and for each player. Um, and, you know, understanding there's bumps in the road and all that kind of stuff. But um, so it starts with, with us at the top and then it filters down to your, your seniors. Um, and we were very fortunate enough early on in my career to have great senior leadership. Um, our seniors really took it in stride to, to make sure our, our, players, our younger players knew what was the expectation was not only on the court, but off the court. Um, and it started to filter year after year after year. Um, and so we kind of come up with like a, a little slogan, you know, it's honor the tradition, but leave your own, leave your legacy. So that part of that tradition was also um, making sure that our young players uh, knew what their expectation was um, in our program. And, uh, you know, like I said, very fortunate enough to have great senior leadership to help mentor that. Um, and it's been successful. Um, I really think at a school like, like Notre Dame, um, you build that sense of community where people want to be a part of it. It really helps um, having, being successful that way. And, and we've had some success and we're, we're very fortunate for that. Obviously, you have to have great players, but you have to also have great players that want to be there for each other and do things the right way. Uh, that's great stuff. And, you know, you're not going to be a successful coach unless you, unless you have the staff around you to complement one another, complement the entire program. Uh, that is so, so important. And you mentioned one thing that I'd love to learn more about. You talked about mentorship from some of your upperclassmen to your lowerclassmen. I mean, that sounds like a great activity or whatever that looks like to help develop some of that team first philosophy. What does that look like for your girls? Well, it starts when the incoming freshmen actually come around their first summer as they're going into their freshman year. We actually um, hold a freshman only um, summer league here. So it's Notre Dame with five other teams. Well, our players were always, our, our varsity kids were always made or mandated to work that event, whether it be the clock, you know, cleaning up, whatever it would be. So they would come for those four, four and a half, five hours a night, two nights a week in June. Um, and they would get to know the freshmen right away and they would see not only they would it would they'd be great for camaraderie for our varsity group because they would see each other in different lights and they were kind of you know hanging out the, whole, the entire time but they would also get to meet the freshmen right away and so then the freshmen see would, would be able to see these players that they've maybe seen on tv or seen from the stands um, in a different light and they felt comfortable with them then um, where it's kind of they, they built that that friendship um, right away. And I really think that's been the biggest thing that's kind of helped us. And that was something that I didn't know how that would go. Um, you know, obviously you have 18 year old, you know, varsity players that are seniors that don't want to hang out in the gym and watch freshman kids on a summer night, you know, twice a week in June, but they did it. Um, they actually started looking forward to it. And unfortunately this year with the pandemic, we weren't able to host the league and our varsity kids talked about it more 
than anybody else um, about being bummed and, you know, when are we going to have a chance to meet some of the freshmen and that kind of thing. So as a coach, that's when I thought, okay, we're in a great spot as a, as a program. But when you have your older kids wanting to, to have the freshmen get involved as soon as possible. And I, I love what you mentioned, honoring the, the tradition while leaving your own legacy and having those upperclassmen that are clearly taking responsibility right? Not only for themselves and their team, but trying to foster that tradition with your younger group. I mean, that is key when it comes to, there's a big difference between a program who has some talent coming up and they have a winning season or two winning seasons compared to a program that's year in and year out successful, whether that's at the state level like yourself or at the local and regional level, that is huge. I'm curious, are there any other activities that you do within your program in season or off season to help build that team first philosophy? You know, we do a lot of um, like team bonding events. We've had great parents in the past that like to host our players, you know, cause they get a kick out of them as much as anything. Um, and it goes at all three levels. Like we've had great, you know, freshman level parents that would host freshman events or team events, um, JV and varsity. And, you know, one thing that we do on a daily basis is we have a team meeting every day before practice. Um, it lasts about a half hour and some of it's film, some of it's about practice plans, some about the practice before, but a lot of it has to do with how their day is going, you know, because obviously teenagers are faced with a lot of adversity throughout a school day. Um, Notre Dame is a very, very rigorous academic school. Um, so it gives them a chance to vent to each other and all that. It's kind of like a safe place. Um, and I think that's really helped our varsity team kind of be connected, knowing that Okay, the coaches are listening to it, but they kind of have our back. We're trying to to mentor them through the the issues that they have. So having that um, that daily meeting has been a big thing. A lot, like I said, a lot of times it's not even about basketball; it's just about what's going on. I think that being able to do that after school, before practice, it does a couple things. One, it is building that team first philosophy. And also, especially at a high academic school, if you're a college coach having a transition piece from school and then to practice can be really, really difficult. And I've spoken with other coaches who are like, okay, school's done. We're going to practice and it's zero to 100 and the kids don't like it, right? You need, you need some type of break where you can shift your mind from one area to the other. You can kind of shake the dust off, get the cobwebs out and give some time to refocus onto what's coming next. And, you know, that's, that's a great thing that you're doing with, with your program. Now, when it comes to having a team first philosophy, obviously that's not just off the court, but that shows in different areas on the court and you're big on player and ball movement playing the right way. So with that team first philosophy, how does that look on the offensive side of the ball, implementing that with your team during the season? You know, obviously, I think the biggest the biggest key to any successful team is trust. I really think players have to trust each other and they have to trust the coaches. Um, and building that trust has to do with making the right decision, knowing if if I'm, I'm going to the basket off the dribble and, and help comes, knowing I'm going to make the right play. I'm not going to force up a bad shot. I'm going to find a shooter. Or, you know, I'm going to find a shooter and then go one more to another shooter. That type of mentality is something we talk about on a daily basis. Um, you know, obviously we have players that want to take more shots than others, like, uh, you know, all the teams. 
you know, but they, they have to build that trust from one another or from the rest of their team. that they're going to make the right decision, right play. Um, and and that, that goes on the offensive and defensive end. We were big into being good at rotations defensively, you know, being in sync as far as like, you know, when somebody drops, we're helping the helper, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not just like words or, or drill work. We, we constantly are talking about having each other's back, having your sister's back, trusting each other, you know, get up and get, get up and pressure the ball. If you get beat, that's okay because somebody should be helping you, um, that type of mentality. So it's, it's interesting to see how that evolves from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Um, I mean, historically, and part of it's our schedule, historically, we have not started off the years very strong. Um, you know, we, we go down to a college exposure event for a, a weekend and maybe we'd split, you know, and or maybe we go we'd lose the first game if we only played one or or whatever. And, and you know, as coaches, we come become a little frustrated with it. And last year we, we had a long conversation after our first loss. And, and I said, listen, I said, it's not about what we're doing right now in November. It's just how do we get them to march? And part of that is just building that trust. And and no matter how many players you have coming back from a team, it's still a brand new season. It's like they break, like you talked about from one season to the next. And, and I'm big into that. I'm big into having a break between your preseason to your, uh, your preseason workouts to your, your actually, you know, preseason practice time um, where we give kids time off just to have a separation for everybody just to refresh. Um, so that, that kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with just making sure everybody trusts each other. And I think that's the biggest component of having a successful team is, is making sure we have that down. Before we get back to the episode, I want to thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. If you found it beneficial, be sure to share it out with someone. Be sure to tag us on social media. If it's Twitter, it's at Coach's Edge One. Be sure to share that out as well as we continue to get better as coaches. Back to the show. So when it comes to building trust. You talked about some of what that might look like during the season. A lot of it sounds like the communication from the coaching staff to the players. Um, in the off season, right? Kids are playing AAU. They're they're on their own. They might be doing training, going to camps. They're, they're with you on and off throughout the, the off season. And so it seems like that would be a time that it would be really difficult to help to make sure that you're implementing some of those philosophies of player and ball movement. If so, are you still able to do some of that stuff during the off season? Yeah, it is way more difficult to be honest. You know, um, obviously the AAU game is much different from the high school game. It's a lot more isolation stuff. It's a lot more, you know, um, more aggressive offensively is trying to create their own stuff. Um, but obviously there's a place for both. Um, it is more difficult though, because, a lot of times when we get them, you know, in, in Ohio, the, and usually in the state of Ohio, you only have 10 coaching days per summer. So from June 1st to July 31st, you can only coach them 10 days. So then you have the fine line of how much are we going to play and how much are we going to practice? So, you know, in the past, we would maybe practice two days, play eight days and, and stuff. Now this year with the pandemic, the state changed the rules and allowed us unlimited coaching days from June 1st to August 30 or August, the end of August which was very helpful for us because in June we weren't playing anywhere, but we were, we were, we were together practicing a lot. So we were able to build that mentality of player movement and, and on the offensive end, especially and the defensive end that just, it's, it's a long way away from being good. 
Um, that's probably where we lose the most from from one season to the off season is on the defensive end with rotations. Because, you know, let's face it, AAU defense is not a priority a lot of times. You know, as far as off the ball, on the ball, yes. But off the ball with rotations, they don't practice enough for their rotations to be great in AAU. Um, so it is difficult. One thing that we try to do as a staff, and I credit my staff because they put a lot of time in this, is when our kids are playing locally or within a driving distance, we go and watch them play. Um, you know, we support them in their AAU seasons. And the neat thing is, is when, you know, even though we have kids playing on different uh, club teams, they're supporting each other. So if one played at eight o'clock in the morning, another one plays at noon, you'll see two or three players from our team supporting the one at noon. Um, and, and that's a really neat thing and, and a really cool thing to see. But it also allows us to critique when we get them back throughout the week. You know, as they, you know, look, you're, you're, you're standing up too much defensively, you're, you're not moving, you're not getting to, to help enough, whatever. Um, you know, it it's allows us to, to give them some feedback because we saw it personally. No, that makes that makes total sense. And I look forward to digging in a little bit defensively in this episode as well. Um, You've talked a handful of times on the, the importance of the coaching staff and some of the different responsibilities that they have. Um, are there different responsibilities that you designate to certain coaches in the area of building that family type atmosphere? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our, our junior varsity coach is also a, a football coach here in the area. So in the summer, he's, he's kind of tied up a little bit more than the rest of us. But he does a tremendous job from day one when he's with his team throughout the whole season of really implementing family first and team first. Um, he, he's a big believer in that himself. And that was one of the reasons when I when we hired him, I was excited about the hire. He was very green from a from a from a basketball you know X and O standpoint, but he had that same mentality as the rest of our staff. And we thought you know we could help him with the X and O part. It's the fact that he's already got that same mindset is what we were excited about. And he has a tremendous work work ethic. Our our freshman coach is a very very much players coach. He does a great job of just building rapport right away. And he's got the toughest job because he's getting freshmen from all over the place that don't even know each other, let alone him. So he does a great job of just making sure they're comfortable right away, making sure they're, they're learning the, the important things that we need to learn. But they're also doing a great job of just becoming part of our program. Um, and he implements the important parts of, of how, you know, when you, when you take the court, you're taking the court a certain way. When a player falls, you're sprinting to help them up. He implements that right from the get-go. And that's something that when they get to the varsity level, we don't have to talk about it anymore. It's already instilled. So that's that's a huge component of, of building that family and team first atmosphere. Um, and on the varsity level, we have I have two varsity assistant coaches, um, and they're both they're both tremendous in different ways. I have one who's a little bit older, um, who's got uh, he's kind of the barker a little bit, but he does it in such a way where the players just love it. And, you know, when, he, when he's, quote unquote, on one, they know it, but they, they respect it and they actually thrive off of it. I have another assistant coach who's uh, a very good skills and drills guy, very ton of energy. He's the one that's the loudest as far as hooting and hollering in practice. Um, and the kids love that, too. And then and then obviously I kind of play off both of them. You know, I, I, at times I'm the barker, at times I'm the hoot and holler. So um, it's just a great mix uh, of a staff. I can I couldn't be I couldn't be more excited for them. That sounds like a winning staff. I mean, you got the you got the coach them hard, love them hard, assistant coach. You got the the hype 
skills and drills coach. You have the, the freshman coach who's doing a great job of implementing some of the philosophies that you want to see at the varsity level right away. And I didn't think about that. That is a really tough job to be the freshman coach and you're getting kids from all over the area coming in and you're trying to start to build some of that family atmosphere right away when they're just getting to know each other. That's, that's a big deal. I love that. Um, coach, when it comes to the defensive side of the court, right, you've touched on it a handful of times, but so many times we, we've seen it in the NBA playoffs this past year, the teams that seem a little more tight knit seem to also be successful on the defensive end. They have that ability to trust, right? That they have that ability to sacrifice for one another. So how does having that team first philosophy, that family mentality tie in to your success on the defensive side of the ball? I think it's the most important component of our defense because they know, you know, by when we were starting to play our best basketball, hopefully is in mid-January. You know, that's when we want to really start to really start feeling comfortable where we're going, um, getting ready for the tournament run, all that kind of stuff. And our best teams have been the ones that would totally sell out for each other. You see, you see our teams taking more charges just because of off of help side rotations. You see our teams getting more um, deflections and steals off of skip passes because, you know, we have a philosophy of keep the ball in the middle of the floor defensively and, and, and the person on the ball is doing a great job and forces a long skip pass and we, you know, take it the other way for a layup. Though that's when you see that trust factor, like all the the drills and the repeti repetitions and all that kind of stuff that you've done all throughout the season to that point, when it starts to all come together, it's, it's a beautiful thing. That's what once my, my coach is, uh, my defensive coach's favorite, favorite saying, it's a beautiful thing when it works. And, uh, you know, when they, when he gets them, when he gets them dialed in and when they get the rotations down and they know they can get up and guard and, and take and then they have enough help to take away driving lanes. And if somebody does get deeper than we want, we're rotating, we're scrambling, um, we're contesting every shot. That's, that's when we know we're really hitting our stride. And, and to be honest, we've been known much more for as a defensive team around our area than an offensive team. Um, but we do score a lot of uh, off of our defense, whether it be even just a long, quick shot, we rebound and we go the other way. Um, not even necessarily have to be a steal for a layup, but uh, that that the whole trust factor and family and team philosophy it all starts and makes our defense so much better because when they when they understand and trust each other, and it can't be just five players, it's got to be you know it's got to be the whole team committed to that kind of mentality. When 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 we get that mentality right and and that focus and that trust that's when I really think we play our best basketball. Unfortunately for us, it's, it's always been later in the year when, when it needed to be. I mean, that's when you want to be playing well, right? Is that the, at the end of the season? I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. when it really, really matters most. And I think taking those characteristics, it might, it doesn't matter what defense you're playing, whether you're playing pack line, whether you're playing no middle, whether you're pressing half court trapping, whether you're playing a two, three zone, if you have a team that can trust one another, that can rely on one another, and then they start to play off of one another, that is a beautiful thing when it works, right? As, as you're, as you're saying, and the proof is in the pudding as far as the, the success that you've had with your team. Now, when we were emailing back and forth earlier about this, this interview, you talked about the importance of self-reflecting as, as a coach so that you can continue to improve your craft. I absolutely love that because 
as a clinician, someone who travels around, does, does a bunch of program and, and skill development camps, as soon as that camp's over with, my mind automatically shifts to reflection on how did that camp go? What can I do better? If I were to do that again, what would I change to make it even better? And it sounds like you have a lot of those same characteristics as well. So how has that reflection played a role in you continuing to improve as a coach? I mean, it, it, to me, it plays the most important role. I really believe if as a, as a coach or whatever profession you're in, I, I think if you don't self-reflect and look at look upon yourself a little bit more, what you can do better, people are going to pass you up and they're, you're going to be stuck in the mud. And well, I've always done this. This is what's always worked. Well, the game's changed so much. Players have changed so much. Personalities have changed so much. You've got to be able to adjust as a coach. And, and if you don't reflect on how to adjust, you know, I, I think coaching careers become short because of that. They get frustrated or they get ran out because, you know, they don't they don't adjust or, or connect with players as well as they used to. Um, we challenge our players to self-reflect all the time after a win, after a loss, you know, because there's there's always time to improve. And we might go out and play the best game possible, but I'll reflect and say, you know, we probably should have you know, gotten to our, our bench quicker or rotated quicker. You know, there's probably times where we should have, you know, I should have used a timeout sooner than what I did or, or all those types of things. And that's, that's on a game, game nightly basis. And it's, it's something that um, I'm a big believer in because nobody, nobody's a, a perfect coach. Nobody plays a perfect game. Nobody coaches a perfect game, but the more you can reflect on, on what you've done poorly or what you might adjust to the next time it comes up, you're, you're, you recognize it better. And uh, that's something I, I really think our staff does well and something our players do well. Um, the, the teams that we have been the most mature have understood that the most. Um, and, and they've probably had the most success. You know, we've had teams in the past where they thought, they were, everything was great and they played the greatest game ever and blah, blah, blah. And they never self-reflected. Well, a couple of those teams lost before they should have. And, and that's on them. That's on me. That's on our staff. Um, and, and it's one of those things where the more mature you are as a player, the more mature you are as a coach, the better our program is. I think it's so important to make sure, and you're doing this well with your, with your girls, is self-reflection Oftentimes players can think that's negative because we're, we're picking apart what are the things that we can do better, which in fact, no, it's, it's the opposite. It's a positive self-reflecting, right? Getting the chance to look back at the practice, the game, the season, uh, a, a meeting that we had, the, the game film that we had before practice, but being able to reflect on how can we improve, even if that was really good, Take some time, reflect, think about it, deep breath, and what can you do to continue to move forward and progress? That is so important. And you mentioned one other thing with reflection has become so important because the game has changed. The game is a, a little bit different. So over your years as a coach, how has the game changed the most for you? And then what have you gone to do to be successful because of that? I just had this conversation with a, a good friend of mine who was who was a coach for many years and is out of the game because he, he took an administrative role in a high school. 
and we, he was talking about working his daughter out and uh, his daughter goes to a different school and everything else. And he's talking, you know, putting her through different drills. And he was talking about doing moves off, you know, step backs. I'm like, I, I said to him, I said, if you'd have told me 10 years ago, we were teaching kids how to do step backs and, and double moves in the jump shots, I'd have thought you're crazy. Um, but the game, the, the players are so much more skilled now um, because they start being skilled at a younger age. Um, you know, that I think, I've evolved a lot because of noticing that right away. A lot of them come in with the basic skills right away. And some need, obviously they still need to be fine tuned on a daily basis, just the basics. But when you have players that are a little bit more um, advanced and all that, you, you've got you've to train them that way. Um, and I think that's probably where I've changed the most. Just the speed of the game is different, um, especially on the girls' side. I think the girls' games – evolved quite a bit over the years um, to a pace that is is a lot quicker than what it used to be. Um, and and I, we love to play at a high, high tempo. Then you have to teach and train at a high tempo. Um, you got to teach them how to read second level defenses. Everybody can beat their first, their first defender usually um, pretty easily or easily enough. Now you got to read the second level. Um, and it's that type of training where it's not just so pattern oriented offenses. It's not come down and run a set every time. It's changed for us. Is is like it's free flowing. It's player movement. It's ball movement. It's you know attacking gaps. It's it's drawing. It's beating one to draw another. You know, and that type of mentality. But that has changed from from when I first started as a head coach twelve years ago till now. So in the beginning, did you feel like it was more of here are some of more of the basic skills that we're trying to build as a overall basketball player, and now you're having to take it to, okay, they already have some of these basic skills. We're trying to add upon it, whether it's, you know, like you talked about teaching some of your girls how to shoot a step back three or being able to teach your players, you know, okay, we're automatically going into second defender decisions and, and reads, things of that nature, pushing the pace. It's just, it's become a little more complex because they're more advanced. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I first took over, you know, we, we, we had a pretty decent team, nothing, nothing spectacular at all. And it was, you know, we're going to, we're going to walk the ball up a little bit more. You know, if we have something in transition, great, but if not, we're going to walk the ball up make sure we get, get into whatever we want to run offensively on that possession. Um, so because of that, we were, we were big time basic skill work and there's, there's nothing wrong with that philosophy. I want to say that too. I mean, there's a huge, that's a huge component of the game where sometimes as a coach, I get away from that too much. You know, I still think every kid needs to know how to jump stop. Every kid needs to know how to, you know, fake a pass to make a pass. The basic things that most kids have been taught back in fourth, fifth grade, I still think they need to be touched upon at the high school level as well. You know, I'm a big Jim Beeline fan. I know they do, they worked on passing drills, basic passing drills at Michigan every day in practice. And obviously he's pretty successful. So I do think there's a lot of, a lot of basic things that need to be taught, but as we became, it had the ability to play faster and, and more complex a little bit, and we're able to trust players to make decisions. Our whole mindset and philosophy had to change as well. It's like, okay, we've got to train them to see those type of things, you know, to see a mismatch, to see where it's not something called from the bench all the time. And, and I think that was a huge transition from early on till now. You're never too good for the basics, right? No. You can always improve the, the fundamentals. 
and then your ability to expand upon that with the players that you have. <clears throat> are there are there two or three skills that you would say, whether you're in ninth grade or whether you're a varsity player playing on one of the top teams in the state, you say, if we have these things down, or grid understanding of these specific skills, I like my chances for us to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously you've got to be able to handle the ball and not turn the ball over. I mean, that, that's just basic passing and catching. You don't, you don't have to be necessarily lightning quick, but you got to be able to change speeds off the bounce. You, you, you just keep defenders um, off balance. And, and then you've got to be able to throw to open to get, get players the ball open when they're tightly guarded. And when, when you catch, you've got to be able to be strong with the ball. Um, and when people are pressed upon you, you got to stay in triple threat and make sure you're creating space and you're not standing straight up with no balance. Um, I think those components are probably the most important. You know, then obviously you've, you've got to be able to box out and rebound and finish off defensive possessions and, and, and such like that. But uh, on the offensive end, I really think you've got to be able to handle the ball and you've got to be able to, to, to not turn the ball over. That gives you a fighting chance, at least. You know, some, some days you'll knock down shots, some days you won't. But uh, you, you got if you don't if you turn the ball over thirty times a game, you're not going to win. Oh, I love that. I mean, you're not going to win if you keep coughing the basketball up. And then when you talk about ball handling, you you broke it down in a way that all the good coaches that I know do because you didn't break it down to just dribbling. Yeah, you talked about being able to change change speeds. You talked about being able to handle pressure, but ball handling isn't dribbling. Right. Ball handling is being able to dribble. It's being able to make the right pass. It's being able to be strong with the ball. It's having something off of the catch, off a of triple threat. All of those things in a nutshell embody ball handling. So if we can handle the basketball and make good decisions and we're not coughing the ball up. Right. And then we can finish the game off on the defensive end by getting the rebound. You're giving yourself a, a chance to succeed. I absolutely love that. If any coach listening, like just take that small section away from Coach Galloway. If your players can handle the basketball, make good decisions, limit their turnovers, and rebound the basketball effectively, those two things combined with team-first mentality, you're giving yourself a chance to be successful year in and year out. I mean, that is, that's golden stuff broken down right there. I absolutely love it. Is there – a specific rebounding drill, like we can all emphasize rebounding. Um, and that's obviously a huge part of having a good rebounding team. Is there something that you do with your team to make sure they're really getting after it on the boards? Um, it's funny because I, I have a probably a lot, a totally different philosophy is in rebounding as a lot of other people. I, I'm not a big rebounding drill guy. I'm more of a live action. If it's a three out of three, you know, segment defensively or uh, offensive segment or five on five, we are constantly all over the offensive team to crash because that's going to make that defensive team rebound. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that's the most realistic approach to rebounding. Um, and, and I know a lot of, a lot of coaches and I, and I, I might could be dead wrong when I do this, but a lot of coaches set up drill work to rebound. I mean, we'll do some, some three on three stuff, but for the most part, we're, we're, we're talking and preaching, make sure our offensive team is attacking the glass because then the defensive team has to rebound. And if they don't, if it shows up right then and there, if you're doing a defensive rebounding drill, of course, you're going to try to box out. But what does that, if that doesn't correlate over to the game, then why are you doing it? 
um, where I think the more game action you can do in a practice that simulates a game, the better you are. So yeah, it's, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily a big drill guy with rebounding. No, I, I love that because it's okay. One coach could go in and say, Hey, for 10 minutes, we're teaching rebounding, but it's not so much teaching is, are we going to get whatever it is that we want to do in a game to translate? Right. And so if you're not necessarily doing the rebounding drill, but it's something that you emphasize, right? It's not so much always what you teach as much as what you emphasize in order to get the results that you want in practice during the season. And rebounding is a great way to do it. I agree 100%. When I was coaching, for the most part, we emphasized rebounding. We didn't do a rebounding drill unless I felt like the teams that, that I was coaching, we really needed to get back and re we're really slacking on the deep. Let's, let's take 10 minutes and that's all we're going to concentrate on. And then we'll keep trying to emphasize it. And again, that's probably more my fault as a coach than it is the, the players that I probably didn't do an, a good enough job emphasizing it consistently throughout the course of the season, which is why we had to come back and, and really sit down and break it down for a certain stretch. Um, but that, that's great stuff regarding rebounding, rebounding the basketball. Coach, as we finish out the podcast, you're, you're preparing for what we hope to be uh, another basketball season, right? Uh, COVID permitting, right? What's your approach heading into this next season? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question because you don't know when the, how the season's going to look. Um, obviously, first and foremost is, is we're looking to try to stay as healthy as possible. You know, obviously with, with the COVID situations, you might have times where a player in your team has to quarantine because they've been in contact with somebody and all that kind of thing. So in the back of our mind as a staff, we know we have got to develop depth um, because of that situation. You know, if, if we're missing a, a player or two and we're still scheduled to play and we have to play, well, we got to be ready to play. And uh, so that's one part of our mindset, you know, from a, a team standpoint or from a, a, a successful standpoint, my biggest mindset is making sure we are very good defensively on the ball. You know, that's something we graduated last year. We had an unbelievable on-ball defender um, and, and we're searching still. We have some candidates, but we're searching for some answers with that. Um, and that's something that we need to have in order to play the way that we want to play. Um, and if we can't have that, we have to adjust how we, we're going to play. But, uh, you know, I, I really like our team. I think we've had a great offseason despite all the ups and downs with COVID. Um, you know, I think we have a very mature team. Um, we have a very motivated team because of the fact they want to get back there and get on that stage and have a chance. Um, and we also have a team that knows they lost some pieces last year and we have to fill some voids. So um, it, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. You know, we start in about 10 days and I can't wait. Um, you know, it's like that first day of practice, like Christmas, you know, for coaches and, and stuff. So it's, it's an exciting time around here. Our players are getting ready um, and, and we're getting ready and, and, and hopefully we can get a whole full season in and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, obviously with all the coaches on here, I wish them all the, the best of luck and staying healthy and trying to get their seasons in and, and everything. So um, it's a very trying time, but, you know, I think part of it we got to realize as coaches is, it's not all about basketball at this time as well. It's also about keeping kids safe and your family safe and, and everything like that. It's bigger than basketball and, and basketball is an absolute reward this year if we can get a whole season in. So we're going to do our best to have, make sure that happens. Absolutely. Basketball is a, a privilege. It's not something to be 
taken for granted. Uh, you're emphasizing you know, the safety of your players, their mental health as well. Um, and then from the basketball standpoint, having, having depth, ball pressure, and there's definitely an added motivation for all those teams throughout every state in the country who their season ended and it wasn't on a loss. And you're, you're one of those teams. It's just this unique dynamic of wanting to, to get back there. I love that. Last question, coach. Throughout your coaching career, growing up, passionate about the game of basketball, who would you say has made uh, the most impact on you in becoming the coach and the person that you are today? Uh, my uncle, actually. My uncle was a, a youth coach. He's a, he's a, well, he just retired. He was a, he was a minister. Um, and he, he always taught me how to get involved in athletics at an early age. Um, we have a lot of the same mindsets as far as athletics goes. And being around him as much as I was as a kid and listen to him and how he handled people and how he handled situations and, and how he stayed even keel and, and, but also had the sternness about him where, you know, when he was in charge, he was in charge. Um, I think that was probably the biggest impact of me on my whole getting into coaching and then even continuing to get better as a coach because um, he just kind of instilled that in me um, at a really, really young age. Um, he was extremely passionate about the game, loved the game up until his health deteriorated a couple of years ago. He, he'd come to every one of our games, um, sit behind our bench, and it was a staple here at our, at our, at our place um, and stuff. So he's probably the one that's, that's the most um, impactful for me um, just because of that personal level and, and having those conversations at a young age and then him kind of mentoring on how to be a better person and how to be a better adult and how to handle, how to handle situations as best as possible. That's awesome. Well, props to your uncle, right? I mean, be, being good at anything, um, whether you're a player or a coach, it takes time, it's hard work, but it's great for us to just remember that any success that we have doesn't happen alone. And there's different people along that journey that, that help push us, shove us, pull us, whatever it might be in the right direction. Your, your uncle's been that for you. That's, that's really awesome. So uh, for any of our listeners, make sure that you take some time and, and reflect and recognize some of the people that have helped you along your coaching journey. That's great stuff. Um, Coach, I want to wish you the very best of luck heading into your basketball season. I can't wait to follow the team, a couple of the girls on your program that I've been able to get to know. Um, thanks again for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge. I appreciate the offer to be on. It's been a pleasure. And obviously, I wish you best of luck with, you, with everything you got going on this upcoming season as well. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Special thank you to Coach Galloway for taking the time to speak with me. He's got a passion for the game, a lot of experience and knowledge, and I wish that program the best of luck heading into the season. And if you haven't had the chance yet, head over to coachesedge.coach, C-O-A-C-H-S-E-D-G-E.coach. We have a limited amount of time with a limited amount of coaches before we shut the program down before basketball season begins. And you can check out the things that we provide for all of our coaches and programs from in-season and off-season athletic development 
a proven skill development, individual player development plan, multiplayer practice drills, strategies, X's and O's, as well as the program development aspect, especially focusing on the areas of culture and leadership, everything that you need in one place to take your program to another level. Let's go.